everybody. Did you bring a Bible? Hey, you're going to need it. If you didn't bring one, there should be in the seat back in front of you. Seat, whatever the thing's called. A little rack in front of you. Bring, grab one of those. For those of you who go to fullness often, regular attenders here, you know I almost never do what I'm about to do. So uh, it's really unusual that um, I was at the prophetic prayer meeting Thursday night. Uh, my sermon was done. It was already, uh, I've got the PowerPoint for it. It was on Acts 28. It's a really good sermon, by the way, I thought. If I have to say so myself, I thought it was pretty good. And, uh, but I started feeling led um, in a different direction. And I've just been praying about it since Thursday night. And I'm not saying this is more a word of the Lord than the one I had prepared. I don't believe that. I think the Holy Spirit works in preparation and in the moment. But um, starting... Thursday night, he just was leading me in a different direction. And uh, the reason is because I believe that today there are people who are going through storms in their lives, who are going through difficult times, who are going through challenging times. And can I say this right off the bat? If your mind automatically went to vaccines and masks, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not the storm I'm talking about. I'm talking about other storms in your life personal storms, storms at work, storms in the middle of your family, storms with your health, challenging and difficult circumstances. And for many people, their goal in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a trial, in the middle of a crisis is to try and just survive until they get through to the other side. And today, I, I really believe this is of the Lord for you. God wants more for you than just surviving. God wants you to thrive in the middle of the storm. And you may be saying, is that even possible? To thrive in the middle of this pain? And I would say to you, yes, it is possible. And it has to do with our, our faith in God and the presence and power of the Spirit of God in our lives. So I'm going to go old school. It's just me and the Bible and a couple of post-it notes that I stuck in my Bible uh, so we're, I'm going to try and stay on task, and for those of you who know me, you know this is not my normal style. So hopefully it won't be a train wreck, and I'm trusting the Lord right now um, that he's going to lead us through it, so just hang with me. Uh, Caroline's going to put the passages of scriptures. I read them on the screen. I, I haven't told you where to turn yet, have I? Go to Acts 27. Acts 27. And let me summarize the story for you, and then I'm going to make some points and read some specific scripture passages from Acts 27. Uh, in Acts 27, what has happened up until this point is that Paul is under arrest. He is in uh, Caesarea Philippi. He is in, um, he's in Israel, but he's under, he's under arrest, and he's appealed to Caesar for his trial, and so they're going to have to send him from Caesarea to Rome. So to get there, he's going to take a boat. And he's going to go on this journey. He and Luke, because it keeps saying we throughout the whole passage, so you know that Luke is there. And uh, another guy named Aristarchus is with them. The three of them are assigned uh, a centurion to look out after Paul. And they're going to sail. Now, this is going to be kind of the cruise from hell for a period of time. Uh, it's going to be a very difficult 
cruise. It's not your normal Caribbean, uh, Mediterranean cruise. Kathy and I went on that one of those a couple of years ago. It was great. We went to the Greek Isles, and you know, you go back to your room, and and you get all the food. They get, they feed you uh, like crazy. It was just awesome. Uh, but this is not that cruise. Um, from the start, Paul knows it's going to be a bad cruise. He knows it's going to be a bad journey. He warns them. They don't listen to his warnings. Sure enough, they set out. The winds are not favorable. They just kind of drift around. Then a hurricane hits them. Then they start. Um, they start, just start trying to survive. So they start throwing stuff overboard um, to try and survive, including the the food and the the thing that would steer the ship and keep it going in the right direction. And eventually they shipwreck on the island of Malta. And miraculously, 276 people were on this cruise. All 276 survived. And what happens is in the middle of the storm, God is glorified. And I think it gives us some, some helps about why are we in the mess we're in? What are some of the effects of the mess in our lives? And what should our response be? And because many of us are in a mess. You know, sometimes the messes of your life are caused by you. I don't want to stay there long, but sometimes you're the reason. You know, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I'm just, my finances they're a wreck. They're a mess. And I'm like, okay, let's look at your finances. Let's pray for financial freedom. Well, they've borrowed. They've used credit cards. They've made really bad decisions. And now they're like trying to rebuke the enemy um, to get off their finances. When in truth, the problem is they are the enemy to their finances. Uh, So sometimes we're the cause of the mess that we're in. Uh, sometimes we're in a mess because of the circumstances of a place we live. Sometimes we're in a mess because of those that we love and are close to us. They put us in the middle of a mess. There are a lot of different causes, but I want to look at this specific story from the cause of the mess, some of the effects it has on what is taking place here, and then ways that we can uh, respond to it. Wow, I haven't read my Bible without my glasses in a long time. That's why I need it up there. Turn to Acts 27 and look down at verse 9. I'm gonna, I, I've summarized the story. So they're on the cruise. They're, they're getting ready to, to, to go. And it says here, I'm going to read uh, verses 9 and 10 and 11. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous by now. It was after the Day of Atonement. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives as well. Who wants to go on a cruise with Paul? (laughs) Men, I've got this word for you. This is going to be a shipwreck. Literally. Verse 11. But the centurion, this is the guy assigned to Paul, but the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. One of the reasons we're in a mess is because we listen to the wrong people. 
The centurion, rather than listening to Paul, who said, if we set out, this is going to be a, this is going to be a disaster. Instead, the centurion, who seemed to be in charge of whether the cruise took off or not, is listening to the pilot and the owner of the ship. And really, are they not the experts? Who is Paul? Paul is just this preacher, this Jewish itinerant preacher who happens to be under arrest. I mean, he's getting transferred back to Rome. Why would we listen to him? Instead, they listen to the pipe, they listen to the experts. And again, please don't go to the, you know, the V word, the vaccine, and all the stuff going on right now. It's not about that. It's about other stuff in your life right now that sometimes instead of listening to those who are maybe experts in the field, you should listen to God. Get in touch with God's word. Invest yourself in the middle of God's, of God's people. So listening to the wrong people. Verse 12, I'm just going to keep reading straight through and comment as we go along. And these are about causes for the mess that we're in. Verse 12, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. Second problem, second cause sometimes is listening to the majority. All right, the, the, pilot, the experts went one way, now the majority is saying, yeah, let's go that way as well. Sometimes the majority is not always right. Uh, we live in a society, a democratic society, where we put our trust in the democratic process, which is fine. I, I think outside a benevolent dictatorship, it's the best form of government there is. The problem with a benevolent dictatorship is you can never find a benevolent dictator. Um, they, they always go off the rails. I mean, I think that would be the best form, but it doesn't work because you can't find anybody who hangs on and is benevolent very long. So, but the problem with the majority is many times we think the majority is right, but really we've got to tune in again to God's presence and his power and his word. If we're looking just for an expert or the majority to tell us what to do, that could be one of the reasons we're in the mess that we're in personally. How are we doing? We're still good? Okay, let's just keep reading. Verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw the opportunity, so they weighed anchor, took up anchor, and sailed along the shore of Crete. To me, this is a picture of, hey, the circumstances look good. I got an open door. Let's take the open door. This is the open door theology. Like, if the door opens, that must mean God opened it. And I'm to go through it. It's relying on circumstances. Uh, and many times we, instead of, again, of relying on God's word, God's people, God's spirit, we look at the circumstances and say, oh, this must be God because the door is opened. I hate to tell you, but sometimes the devil can open a door. Or sometimes doors just are open around us. We need to hear from God about whether we should walk through it or not. Sometimes we're in a mess because rather than relying on God, we've relied on circumstances. And ultimately, throughout this entire passage, to me, what it speaks of is pride. It speaks of a spirit of pride that has got them in this mess. Um, it says in Corinthians, take heed you stand, lest you what? Fall. Why is pride such a hindrance and gets us in such a mess? I believe pride is, is, is the, 
antithesis of the humbleness that is needed to stay in touch with God. If you have pride, you don't need God. Are you with me? If you're proud, you know you. This is about me. This is about the best possible me. I'm the smartest one here. I know what I know. I know who I am. And so I've got pride, and therefore I don't, I don't really need God. One of the reasons many of us are in a mess is because we're, I'm trying to put it nicely, we're just too proud. We're too proud to say, I, I am nothing without his presence. See, I, I think we have to get to that I am nothing without his presence to really be able to hear from God. Because even if you think you're just a little something, you may not think I'm everything, but if you think you're a little something, that little something will get in the way of God. That little something, you're just saying, God, here's my little something. Now, I'm just going to add to, to that the rest that I'm missing. So you feel, and I'm like 80% good. You just take over the other 20%. The problem is your 80% is going to get you in a mess almost every time. The little something you're trying to add to God's presence, we need 100% of his presence. Just empty ourselves. One of the things that Christ did when he came to earth, he emptied himself. I know there's a whole different theology, but a whole different meaning. But we need to get out of the way so that we can hear from God. And if you, you're here today and you say, you know what? I don't even know how to do that. I'm not sure any of us really know how to do it. But we'll help you. We'll help you like the blind leader. We'll help you find your way along there. Trying to find your way to empty yourself so that God can move. Sometimes we're in messes because we listen to the wrong people. We follow the majority. We rely on circumstances and we just are too proud. And the effects that it has. I'm just going to keep going through the passage. Just keep reading, um, keep reading the word. Um, so where was I? 14. Thank you, TV. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. One of the effects that being in a mess in your life will have is that, that circumstances will just make you drift along. You'll just be driven by the storms around you. In other words, instead of really being directed by God, you'll be driven by circumstances. You'll just drift through life. Isn't it? I'm getting older now, but I hate to think that I would look back at my life and say, you know what, I just drifted into my 60s. I just kind of drifted into my 70s or 80s. I think it's terrible for you to drift into your 20s. No matter how old we are, sometimes the effect of the storms and messes of our life is we'll just give up and rather than hear from God and go with what God is doing, we let things drive us. Verses, um, where am I now, TV? 17, I have 16. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were already hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Can you imagine? They're putting ropes under the ship 
to try and hold it together in the middle of this storm because they would, were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship, again, this is that same effect, be driven along, just drifting. Verse 18, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. So not only sometimes do we just drift along, but then we start to throw things out. I got to get, get rid of this stuff. I got to discard. So they start throwing over the cargo. When they said they discarded the ship's tackle, they meant the thing that would help the ship be steered, to me it seems like that'd be the last thing you'd get rid of in the middle of a storm because now I got no control over the ship and where it's going. All we got right now is we're getting rid of the cargo, we're getting rid of the buoys that steer. Pretty soon they're going to throw away the food as well. Sometimes in the middle of a mess, you discard the things that are most valuable and really most dear to you. The things that would actually help you are sometimes the things that you get rid of. I'm amazed. I, I, I'm a church guy. I mean, obviously, I'm a senior pastor of this church for our, uh, its entire life. I, I believe in the local church. I believe in the power of the local church. I'm amazed when people get in the middle of a mess how quickly they will abandon the local church. The place that they need is the place that they leave. The place that will help them. And are we perfect? Absolutely not. I, I look back. I, I'm not, I don't regret drifting. I regret mistakes that I've made. And I've made plenty. But praise God, his forgiveness is there to help keep moving me forward. But sometimes people get in a mess and they'll abandon their marriage. They'll abandon their children. They'll abandon their jobs. They'll, they abandon the thing that will help them get out of the mess. Verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Now, what's left but despair? We, we've lost hope. The effects of the mess in your life are not only that sometimes you end up drifting, getting rid of stuff, but you also end up losing hope. How many, how many people do you know that have reached at any point in the middle of the storm of their lives and what they've given up is hope? They're like, this is hopeless. God doesn't hear me. God doesn't see me. God isn't with me. I mean, think about it. We've got Paul and Luke and Aristarchus, three believers at least on this 276 person cruise so at least three maybe 273 others we don't know you know if they're on this ship they're like i didn't do anything wrong i didn't even want to be here i told them this was going to be a mess i told them this was going to happen but the the people around them are giving up hope but paul still has hope Paul still has faith. Paul still has confidence in God. Skip over to verse 30, and I'm, I'm just skipping just a little bit. Uh, this is a key passage in verse 30 and 31. It says, in an attempt to escape, I mean, we're 10 verses later, and things are not any better. 
So you can see there's some things that are going bad. And it says in verse 30, in an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors left the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion who, you know, his guard, he said to the centurion and some other soldiers that were evidently on the boat, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. One of the effects of the storms of our life, I think one of the devastating effects is just disunity. We just abandon people. We, we, we fight with one another. We, we start, I preached on this, what, two or three weeks ago, that the devil in the middle of what's going on in our nation and in our society is trying to drive a wedge between the church over what I would call disputable matters. But not only disputable matters, but there are storms in our lives. Everyone here has storms in their lives. And if you're not careful, it will result in disunity. Here's where I wanted to, believe it or not, this is where I wanted to get to. What's going to help us? Okay, so I've got this, let's say, whatever the cause. I can identify it. I can also see some of the effects that are not healthy in my life. But what's going to help me get through this? How am I going to get out of this mess? How am I, where's the whole thriving coming so far? Much less surviving the storm. There's a picture in verse 29 that I want to look at. Verse 29 says this, Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Four anchors. For some reason, over the years, God has really instilled in me this four-anchor mentality. Like there are anchors in my life that no matter how bad things get, I have these anchors, so to speak, for my soul. And so I want to share them with you because I think they'll help you thrive in the middle of the storm. And some of you would look at our lives, maybe me and Kathy or me, and say, surely he doesn't have storms in his life. His life looks really good. I mean, every Sunday he's dressed pretty good, and uh, he gets up every Sunday and shares the Word of God, and he's got a pretty family, and blah, 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 blah. Um, we've, we've had some storms, and we try to be vulnerable to share with you some of the storms that we have in our lives. And some of the storms that we have in our lives are just life. It's just the, the challenge of living every day. You know, some days you... You, you go away from church, at least I do. Some days I go away just incredibly discouraged. I, I go home down. I mean, they're just storms that we all have in our lives. And maybe it was just me this week because this past week I've just really been battling some different stuff. And nothing sinful, but just attacks of the enemy, I think, that, are, that have just kind of been coming against me personally. And I had to revisit these four anchors again this week. And so I'm going to share them with you, and I hope they bless you, and I hope it will help you. And I'll try not to go on too long with them, but I, they've really been a benefit for me, and they're all from this, this one chapter. So look at verse 22 and 23. Going back, 
it says. And, and this is Paul. Paul stands up. Remember, there's a hurricane going on. They've cast everything off. They're getting rid of stuff in, in verse 22 and 23. And Paul starts speaking to them. And by the way, just to pick up in 21, he says, Men, you should have taken my advice. <laughs> Isn't that what you want to hear in the middle of the storm? You know, if you'd listen to me, we wouldn't be here. Paul, love him. He said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Verse 22. But now I urge you. He's, we're in the middle of the hurricane. We're in the middle of the storm. We're abandoning stuff. Things are going bad. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Verse 23. He says, last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. The first anchor I think we all have in our, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, is God's presence. Please, please, please don't underestimate God's presence in your life. He is with you in the middle of your mess. He is with you in the middle of your storm. No matter how bad things are right now, God is still right there. How do you thrive in the middle of the storm? Well, you recognize that God is with you. Do you know, it's, you've heard it said in jobs and everything else, it's much more important who you know than what you know. You know, it's important who you know. You are a child of God. And some of us can't get a hold of that. Some of us think, you know, I'm not really a child. I'm just kind of on the periphery. I'm kind of a member of a church. I kind of go to church, but I'm not. You need to grasp the truth that God's presence indwells you. God's presence is with you. God loves you. This past week, I was talking to my son, Caleb, and um, it was on, I think, Tuesday. I was talking to Caleb, and he calls me generally. I don't know if your children do this when they get out of the house, but um, generally my kids, they call me for two things. One, they're driving and bored, and they want somebody to talk to, so they call me. Fine, I love it. Or number two, they need something. Dad, would you do this? So Caleb was going to lunch or something. He, he calls me, and anyway, about a minute into the call, he goes, I, I, hey, Dad, I got to go. Your brother is calling me. And I said, oh, wait a minute, my brother? And he says, yeah, 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 Uncle Brian. Because I'm thinking he meant his brother. One of his brothers is always calling him, too. They're always talking. They talk more than I talk to them, which is fine, too. I'm not too hurt. Um, but they, they talk to each other a lot. And um, anyway, so I thought he meant his brother. But no, he meant my brother, who wouldn't normally call Caleb. I couldn't figure out why my, my brother. Anyway, so... About an hour later, my brother calls, and he goes, i got to tell you this story. You'll love this. He said, my youth pastor is a huge Auburn fan. I mean, just huge. And I'm like, did he go to Auburn? No, he didn't go to Auburn. He's lived in South Florida his whole life. And I'm like, well, how did he become an Auburn fan? I would probably gone with Alabama if I didn't even live there, at least. A little more consistent in the winning column. But okay. Uh, and he's like, he's like, I, you know, he's a huge Auburn fan. He's like totally, and he came into my office Monday, and he said to me, Pastor, you always seem to make things happen. 
You seem to know people and can get things done. And Brian didn't know where he was leading. And he said, well, okay, thank you. And he said, it, it is my dream to go to the Auburn-Penn State game this Saturday night. And Brian is like, uh, what? <laughs> so I don't know if you know, but Auburn played at Penn State last night. It was a whiteout. Unfortunately, Auburn lost. It was a close game, tight game, but they, they lost. And so he, he, um, he said, it's my dream I, I, to go to Penn State, which is a really incredible environment, and to see Auburn play. Can you give me a ticket, Pastor? And Brian goes, I think you have totally overestimated my abilities to get things done. I know no one at Penn State. Um, he said, I just don't know anyway. So but my brother, after he left, started thinking, you know, I really want to bless him. So he said, I'll just buy him a ticket. So he went online. Tickets are like over $500 a piece. And he's like, no, nah, I don't want to bless him that much. <laughs> so my brother texts my son Caleb and just says, look, I know this is a long shot, but do you happen to know anybody who has a ticket to this game on Saturday night? And Caleb texts him back within a minute and says, yeah, I do. And so here's what had happened. Caleb and eight of his buddies had rented an RV and were driving from Atlanta to Penn State and had gotten tickets for the game for Saturday night, which I don't know if that sounds like fun or horrible uh, to drive with seven other guys in one RV across country, camp, you know. Anyway, they were so excited to go, and they've been looking forward to it for months. One of the guys got COVID and couldn't go, so now they have an extra ticket. And so Caleb says, yeah, Uncle Brian, we'll sell it to you for what we, we bought it for. And so show the picture. So here's Caleb and my brother's youth pastor at Penn State last night. So my brother, my brother goes to the kid, he's 27, he's young, goes to the young man and says, I got you a ticket. And the guy goes, I knew you could do it. I knew you could do it. Now my brother says, now I've created a monster. He thinks I can... Here's the point. It, it's important who you know. You know, this is just a bad illustration of a spiritual truth, which is, no, you know the God who created the heavens and the earth. You talk about someone who can move things around for you, you know God, and he knows you. You're not off his radar. You're not off his scope. He loves you. And in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your storm, God's presence is there. If you'll look, if you'll listen, if you'll, even if you don't hear or see, if in faith you'll believe, God can do incredible things in your life. First anchor is God's presence. Verse 23 again, verse 24. Last night, an angel of the Lord, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. The second anchor you have is God's purpose. Not only do you have his presence, but he's got a destiny for you. 
You're not going to die till God is done with you. I mean, that may sound a little callous, but his purpose, when his purpose is accomplished fully in your life, then you're done. And you can cross over. But God is not going to let you, he's not going to lose you in the middle of the mess until your purpose is accomplished. And one of the things you need to understand is that you have a destiny in God. You have a purpose. You're not here to just drift along. You're not here just to survive. You're here to thrive. And he is saying to him, um, you belong to God, Paul. You serve God, Paul. And God is not going to let you die until at least this thing has been accomplished that you testify in Rome of who God is. Receive God's purpose for your life. I could comment on all of these for a long time. I'll try not to, but it's please receive the truth that you, are, you have a purpose in him. You have a destiny in him. Verse 25 says, So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Just as he told me. Just as he told me. What is that? That's the promise of God. One of the anchors you have is God's promises in your life. God's spoken to you over the years. God says things to you through his word, through his people, through his spirit that he places within you. You have the promises of God. And all the promises of God are what? Yes and amen. Amen. That means they're going to be fulfilled. Receive the promises of God. So you've got his presence. You've got his, um, you, you've got his purpose for your life. And you've got his promises that are indwelling you. And finally, here's your part. So far, all, all you're doing so far is recognizing the greatness of God. Right? So far, you're recognizing who he is and his presence in my life. I'm recognizing that he has a purpose for my life. That's his what he's put in me, and his promise. So far, it's all just God, and I'm recognizing it. But the the fourth anchor that I get to contribute is my prayers. My prayers before him also work as an anchor for my soul. Back in verse 24, uh, it says this, and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who say, he's given you. Meaning what? Paul has asked for this. He's requested this. He's prayed for this. And God has given him this. How are the prayers of the righteous powerful and effective? Because in God's economy, he chooses to empower the righteous prayers that go back to him. And it can be an anchor for your Anchor for your soul. What are you you saying with your lips? What are you confessing? What are you speaking? Uh, Many of us, we spend most of our time telling somebody else about our problems, right? We spend a lot of time confessing our issues to another person. Instead, if you want a more effective way, a powerful and effective way to handle your mess and your problems, go to God. Now, please go to other people, too. We, we partner together. But I, there's a difference between complaining and praying. There's a difference between even sharing and complaining with someone who will pray for you. Our prayers matter to God. Listen, 
we're all in a mess here in some way or another. Here's how I would say things today. You've even, you, you've either been in a mess, you're in a mess, or you're going to be in a mess. Those are the three stages of life. And if you've come through a storm, hey, hang on, because you're still going to go probably through another one. The storms just kind of come, don't they? Praise God if I've gone through one and I've survived, but I'm still going to, it's this loop. Because God is using, he is using hope that he's placed within you. And then from hope, he promises you this in Romans, you're going to have problems. So that when you persevere through the trials or the problems, that your character can be built. So that then hope will rise to a greater level within you. It's the spiral of hope that Paul talks about in Romans going from trial, hope, we all have hope, to trials, to persevering, to character, to more hope. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that God would deliver you. That the Spirit of God would show you, okay, you're in this mess because of this, if that's indeed what he wants to show you. Or to show you some decisions that you've made while in the middle of the storm that you may need to go back and fix. But most of all, I think God wants to say to you, my presence is with you. My purpose is instilled in you. My promises will be fulfilled with you. Your prayers will accomplish, avail much. Stand up with me. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time. We ask, God, that you would, right now, as we're in the middle of these storms, that, God, you would direct, that you would bless. Lord, I thank you that, God, it's who I know that matters the most. Your presence is here with me. Your presence is here with us. Your presence is in our midst. I pray for those right now who are going through storms. They're in the middle of a mess. That God, they would know you're there with them. You haven't abandoned them, but you are there. God, for, who, that they would know that your, your purposes for their lives will be accomplished. Even in the middle of this storm, maybe you're developing character in their lives. That's your purpose for them right now. But Lord, they would know your promises that you will deliver. You will set free. One day, if not today, we'll all be with you in glory. And that promise will be fulfilled. Lord, may we offer up a conversation with you where we share our need before you, but at the same time hear from you about how we are directed. This angel appeared to Paul. Lord, however you want to choose to speak to us through a messenger, through the spirit that you've placed within us, Lord, speak to us today. Thank you, Lord, that you love us that much, that you're in the middle. We don't just have to look to surviving the storm. We can, we can change people's lives in the middle. We can thrive in the midst of a storm, and we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Just say thank you to the Lord right now.